Well, good morning. How are you this morning? We're beginning a new series this morning that I'm calling Jesus Use Me. And this came out of a video that I saw. Uh, but before I introduce it, I heard an amen or a yeah or something that reminds me. So good to see Pastor Larry here this morning. He's been out for quite a while. Give him a welcome back. Good to have you here this morning. I've missed that encouraging word until just now. I didn't know how much I'd miss that. So it's about a guy named Ed Stilley, and I want to give you a little bit of his story. Um, Ed Stilley uh, lived in the Ozark Mountains. And to give you an idea so that you get context, it's going to look like something out of the 1800s. But he was born in 1930, and he died in 2019. And during that time, there was, um, he was a man that loved God. He determined early in life that he wouldn't read anything other than the Bible. So a couple that came to interview him and then later came back after he died, asked the wife if they could have the Bible that was on the table. And she said, well, no, that one's falling apart, but there's some more in here. Went into another room and there was a bureau with six drawers. Every one of those drawers were stacked full of Bibles and almost something written on almost every page. It took him about two years to wear that Bible out. And as he was working one day in a field, he assumes he had a heart attack, fell to the ground, it was getting dark, and in that moment, he had a vision or a dream. He said he saw himself as a turtle in a raging river, and his five children were hanging onto his shell. And he's praying, God, help me get them over to the other side. And he said, God spoke to him that if he'd lay aside his pride and his self-will, that God would show him what his hands were for. And so as he awakened, determined to follow that, God spoke to him that he was to build guitars to give to children. Now this is in the, um, in the Ozarks, the hills, Arkansas, southern Missouri, and he didn't have YouTube. He didn't have a manual. He had one guitar. And so he's making these guitars having no idea how they work. And you'll see wild shapes of guitars because he would take this scrap wood from the lumber yard, boil it in a barrel all night long, and then take it out with wood pegs and try to bend it. And however way it would bend, that would become the shape of the guitar. Chiseled out the tuning box at the top and you can see the rough hewn marks and he gave them away to children all over the area as he would preach and sing and tell people about Jesus. These guitars now are held in a museum in a place where you can go and hear the story but on every guitar it said true faith, true light, have faith in God. As he's building them, if you know anything about guitars, the, you don't start with the sides, but he would start with the sides, and then he would put a top on it and make that match, and the top would be like a quarter inch thick, which is impossible for making a guitar really work, and it was kind of flat sounding, and it wouldn't sing, and so he got experimenting with that. And he'd put saw blades and metal pieces and springs in there to create physical reverb before he ever knew what it was. There are two kinds of physical reverb that he discovered intuitively, and that's plate reverb and spring reverb. And he kept putting pieces, hinges, metal, lids inside the guitars so it would sing. And until he could no longer make them, he spent his life telling people about Jesus and giving guitars to children. Why does that matter? Because think about the change that would make every guitar set on it. True light, true faith, have faith in God as he sang the gospel and preached the gospel. And it really challenged me about how God wants to use us. So with that picture in mind, I want you to hear and see a little bit of the story of Ed Stilley. That 
Ozark sun was beating down Dropped my plow to the rocky ground And the world turned black in a heart attack And a vision passed before my eyes Was I dead or alive? I said, Lord, take me to the other side I became a great tortoise in swift flowing waters And clinging to my shell, my sons and my daughters And from a raging river deep and wide That day I heard the Lord confide Shed your vanity, shed your pride And I'll see you make it to the other side That moment my fate was sealed When the Lord told me he'd make me a deal If I deliver my children to that shore He'd show me what these hands were for To build guitars in his name That's what I'll do till my dying day So I grabbed me an axe, my son and me I saw that wood up into boards And I made a guitar for the Lord And the Lord looked down and smiled When I gave it away to a little child What job bone with a four-bridge Tailpiece made from a rusty old hinge Door springs, saw blades, valley in the middle Lord like the sound when the old parts go. Cut out the frets from a brazen rod Carved on the top, true faith, true light Have faith in God Give Ed Silly a hand. God really convicted me when I listened to that podcast and then later watched the video that if God could use Ed Stilly, you have no excuse. He didn't ask God why. He didn't ask God to give him an explanation, he simply did what God told him to do and shaped that part of the world. I hear people say, well, I don't know what to do and I don't have any gifts, I don't have any skills. I'm telling you, you got more than he's got. Do you see where he lives? And what he had to work with and a jawbone and hinges and he just decided to use what he had for the building of God's kingdom. So I want to challenge you that God has a ministry call for you, and on this first week to remind you, and maybe explain in a different way, that your ministry matters to the local church. Too often, I think, we talk about your ministry in this kind of fashion, that you will feel fulfilled, you will feel the blessing of God, and it's all about you, 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 and what you will receive if you fulfill your ministry call. But I'm gonna change that a little bit. 
we cannot be what God intends us to be as a body of believers without your gifting invested in the kingdom. We will lack if you don't give. If you don't share your gifting. There's something we all need. I want to get closer. There's something we all need by what you bring. Help me, somebody. <laughs> I remember years ago, I was a youth pastor. Yes, I was years ago. And I was a sectional representative, which meant that my job was to schedule monthly youth rallies for 16 churches and bring them all together so that students could fellowship and celebrate and worship together. And it was a great idea over time, it's dwindled away. But in the town that I was in, my wife and I were in, there was a larger church in town that had a much larger youth group and wouldn't come to the youth rallies. We were at a conference, not uh, during that time, we were at a conference and he was in his church van and I was in my vehicle and as I'm pulling across, I wave, and as I wave, he kneels, he bends down behind the dash like he has to work on something on that van. And I thought, I know you. If you're not tying your shoes, there's nothing else you're gonna do right now. And so I waited, and he wouldn't get up. And so then I decided, you are gonna wave at me. And so I T-boned in front of him, just parked in front of him, blocked him in, and laid on the horn. See, I had that nature early on in life. <laughs> and he finally sat up and waved, and I waved, and then I scheduled a lunch with him, and I said, look, I'm trying to build a ministry to youth in our uh, section, Northeast Iowa, and you don't come. Why don't you come? You've got the biggest group. You would make, you would make the event so much stronger and better. And he said to me, we don't come because we don't need you. What we're doing is more than what you're doing when you bring all the churches together. Well, I'm telling you, how many know that if you bring 10 churches together with three students, it creates a different environment than if you bring 10 churches together that have 30 students, and an influx of students creates energy. He said, we don't need what you do. We're bigger than your rallies. And I said, well, you wouldn't be bigger than our rallies if you came to our rallies. And maybe it's not all about you. Maybe we need what you will bring. I'm not suggesting I will enhance your ministry. I'm saying that you will enhance ministry to students all over Northeast Iowa if you would determine to just invest in these students. We need what you bring to the table. <laughs> oh, I'm coming for you. You can sit now or sit later, but I'm coming for you. There is no place that God is okay with us just sitting and soaking and eating at his banqueting table without getting involved in the labor or work of ministry that he's called us to do. We all need to engage that, and the church will suffer lack if you're not investing what you need to invest. And I'm talking about money. The church needs people of affluence and influence, but it also needs people to serve. I'm talking about more than money. I'm talking about investing not just in the four walls of the church, but as part of the body of Christ. We can't reach our community. We can't reach our neighborhoods. We can't do anything that God fully intends us to do without people that are investing their gifting. And I was reading in Ephesians chapter 4, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Now, I don't want to go too far down this road to the ditch on one side or the other, but the role of the clergy, if I can use that term, the ministry team here, isn't to do all of the work. 
so that you can come and put a check in and sit and enjoy is to help equip you to do what God's called you to do because the work of the ministry won't get done without your investment. Let me give you just a simple example. Some of you interact with heathen, unsaved, unregenerate, people far from God every day. I do too, but they have credentials. So that's a whole different... No, the occupational hazard I have is I'm dealing with Christians all day. So if I want to share my faith with an unbeliever, I've got to get that Casey's worker to begin to talk to me. I have to find someone in Lowe's or Menards that will stop and have a conversation or at the gym and engage a conversation. Do I do that? Yeah, I do that. But I'll tell you, when I worked on a golf course mowing all day and the guys I hung out with every day, it was a lot easier to generate a conversation of faith and be salt and light to the community because I was in a place where they were interested in hearing about about what my faith really represented. How many are hearing me? We will not be a city set on a hill. We will not be the light of the world unless every one of us hears from God what he wants us to do and begins to accomplish that for the kingdom. So what I want to explore this morning is what you are supposed to contribute to help us. To help us be better. Elbow your neighbor and say, we'll be out of here in 30 minutes. Hang on. <laughs> the first thing that Ephesians 4 tells us as the, the ministry is to equip for works of service. And by the way, that's why we have connect groups. Yes. Connect groups have prayer, discipleship, fellowship, and mission. There's something in every connect group that has a mission for you to explore gifting. Your ministry is intended by God to build the body of Christ. You are here <laughs> to build, I'm seeing things in my head that I, I don't know if I can communicate, to build the body of Christ. So it's to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Preparing God's people will build the body of Christ. Yes, it is the role of ministry to equip for works of service to build the body of Christ. But the corollary to that is when you do works of service, it is building the body of Christ. The term is an architectural term, the structure of a building. It talks about one who promotes the spiritual growth of another. We're to see spiritual growth happen among believers. You and I are called to build the body of Christ. So quit. So quit sitting there saying, I'm not being fed. Or I don't have anything to offer. I'm just a baby. Some of you have been a baby a long time that you need to get into therapy. You need to grow up a little bit. Is anybody hearing me? Think about that. Rather than talking about your spiritual growth, you're on the front row. I'm sorry about this, but you're just handy. Your job is to make sure people in the body are, mature, are growing, are being built up. It's your job, Pastor. What are you doing for discipleship? I don't know. What are you doing? What are you doing to build up others to make sure they're growing spiritually? Is anyone hearing me this morning? That it is the job of the body, not for us to put together enough programs that everyone is being built up and the building's being built up. It's so that we will build the body of Christ together. We should together be building one another up. I'm going to have to give this illustration. We are, we are eyeball deep in issues at New Life Center. And I will tell you at the end of the series, I'm going to give you some specific places to serve. But I walked into a room in the basement of the old school building that's attached there, and it was spooky. I'm just telling you, it was scary. And we had uh, TJ, I don't know, first, second service, but um, was with us. TJ Hodge was with us. And we walk in this room in the basement trying to find out where the water source is. And there's, there's an accordion laying in a case open and the ivories are falling off of it. It's been there that long. It is composting. 
I didn't know accordions could compost, but it's composting. And there are reams of paper that are just spilled out on the floor. And he said, it looks like somebody was here in 1970 and turned and walked out and never came back. It's exactly what it looks like. What happened to that building? People quit working. People quit investing, and they just joined for the ride. And I'm not talking about the people that are there, and I'm not putting anyone down because God is doing an awakening at New Life Center of people working and wanting to invest and be a part as they see things begin to move forward. But the church will decay. The church will go into dysfunction. The church will die when people quit investing their gifts. We're walking down a hallway. I'm thankfully wasn't there when it happened. But if you want to know a perfect environment to create a movie called Zombie Apocalypse, there's some rooms in that basement that are perfectly set for that. And we're walking through there, the old building, the old school building. I'm not insulting anyone. I don't think it's insulting to just say how it is. I'm not insulting anyone. It's just things get too big. How many know? And too much work, and you can't get everything done. I understand that. But there are light switches that don't know how they work. Doesn't turn anything on, and some lights you can't turn off. I don't know how that happens. And so Lewis, Pastor Lewis, was down there flipping switches, and then there was a switch up high, and he thought, I wonder what this does. In the basement, lights that won't go on, a light that won't go out, and through that switch, and it was the alarm for changing classes. And he thought he was going to die right there in that moment. (laughs) The zombies have just been released. It's an architectural term, build up. The building is in decay because people quit building it up. One of the buildings we're gonna have to tear down and demolish called the carriage house. It's just standing there, must be fine, right? Until a wall falls out into the yard. I look at that and I think, you know what the problem is? People quit building up the building. Come on, help me now. I'm not faulting anyone. I'm just saying that over time you get tired and vision gets lost and a number of things begin to happen. And Pastor Jamel worked really hard at a new vision and did a great job reaching kids. So don't take this as any negative. I'm just saying to you that the building of the building got bigger than the people that were at the building. And when you don't invest in the building, it will fall apart. People say, well, I want to own my own home. Before you decide to own your own home, you need to have more money than just being able to make the payment. Because when the roof goes bad, there ain't no landowner, landlord gonna fix it. When the water heater goes out, is anyone hearing me? You have to own the whole thing to maintain the building, not just make the payments. And I'm telling you that's where the spirituality of a church can exist You cannot grow, you cannot grow without your ministry being active. And so the question I would ask you is, who are you helping grow spiritually? Who are you investing in and helping them be built up? Who in this last week have you built up? We had a lady, you're just looking at me and then I tell stories. Church I pastored. A lady, and I felt bad for her because she did have some level of mental illness. And to give you an example of that, she would call the police and say that kids were, had a BB gun and were shooting out her basement windows. And then she'd have to get them repaired. Um, and then the, the police, trying to figure out what's going on, did a little bit of a stakeout and watched. She would come out into the yard with a BB gun, shoot out the window and call the police and blame it on the neighbor kids because she wanted the attention. How many know that it's more than a mental illness here? We've got some other things going on too. So she came in to talk to me and um, I said, I'm gonna give you three assignments. Don't ever come talk to me again if you don't do these three things every day. Number one, you need to do something good for yourself every day. You need to build yourself up. And I'm not talking about self-propping up, but how many of you know that when you take a shower or a bath, that builds you up? I appreciate when you brush your teeth, but you should appreciate it for your own self. Come on, how many hear me? When you use deodorant, I'm glad for that. Hello, hallelujah, glory to God and the Lamb forever. Do do something good for yourself. Number one, 
Then do something good for your house. Number two, do you know how to use a broom? Do you know how to use a mop? Do you know how to dust? Because you will feel better when you work. How many know that's true? Lazy people don't feel the blessing of God. People who work feel the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going down a road I hadn't intended to, but I'm trying to see if anybody will wake up this morning. And then I said, I want you to do something good for somebody else. So you have to build up yourself, build up your home, and build up another person, and your life will turn around 180 degrees. And she received all that, and then quit coming to see me, which was also a win. <laughs> you, you are called to build up others. Who are you building up? Your ministry will build the body of Christ. Later in the chapter, he says this, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The body will be built by love as we all do what we're called to do. Agape love, divine love, commitment to the well-being of another, that it's love that builds us up. And love is not a sentimental, um, warm, fuzzy, ushy-gushy, you're gonna be fine. It's saying, here's something that's broken. Here's something that you're doing well. Here's something I wanna encourage. Here's how you've blessed me that we should do. Shouldn't we do something every week to build up somebody else? And your gift, in a way that will build up somebody else. Grandma Sharon builds people up with pies. I can promise you that if you uh, interact with her enough, your temple will grow. But you know what else I've discovered being around her? If you're around her very long, she will build you up. And if you're around her a little longer, she'll help correct you so that she can build you up next week. Come on, I love that. I love that. The honesty and the, the integrity in that. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's the truth. We should build one another up in love because I care about you. I'm committed to your well-being. And what good is it if all you do is affirm broken people? We lived on an acreage. This image just popped in my head. This may not show up in second service. <laughs> but somewhere or another, there was a piece of board that had a nail through it. The nail was about this long. And a neighbor kid was running through the yard. And when I saw her screaming, my dad went over. And she'd stepped right on top of that nail and drove it into the heel of her foot. And that board is sticking straight out. And you know what my dad did? He went up and said, you're such a wonderful person. Just go enjoy your life. No, he grabbed her like a horse's hoof, got it between his knees, and pulled that out as she continued to scream. But without that, she wasn't going to be okay. You know what he did? He saw a problem, and he built her up. Sometimes it involves pain. Sometimes it involves confrontation. But it always involves love. It always involves love. Our body will not be built up if you quit giving or don't invest your gifting. Let me take it one more step. There are a number of physical needs that need to be taken care of at the facility at New Life Center. Number of physical needs. Now I can kind of do a little electrical work. <laughs> we had a garbage disposal that quit working. And so I'm messing around with it and my wife was sure that the switch was bad. And so I'm messing around, the switch is bad. Now I know enough that if you're gonna work on any switch, you need to throw the breakers. So I went down and threw all the breakers, just in the kitchen, not in the whole house. And I pulled that switch out that wasn't working, so I wasn't worried about it, and as those wires, I'm pulling those out and twist it, and I have a screwdriver in, in my hand, um, somehow, that switch flipped and it carried the current that went through the screwdriver into my arms. And I found the screwdriver next door. <laughs> because what I didn't realize, I was in a hurry that you can turn off all of the breakers that are marked kitchen, but it doesn't help. 
if there's another breaker that says garbage disposal. (laughs) I learned something that day. So if we have wiring jobs that need to be done, we need someone whose gift is electrical. Not someone who, who can't change a light switch without getting shocked. How many are hearing what I'm saying? You can't build without everybody's gifting. So who are you building up? How are you building up? You're not supposed to just sit there, build somebody up. Hallelujah. Well, that was week one. Now let's do week two. Your ministry, watch this, not only will build the body, when your ministry is released rightly, it will unify the body until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God. Building the body will develop spiritual unity. We will be linked together. And it's a unity of the faith, not a unity of experience. We don't all have to agree on all of the details but we need to join together in a unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity is built around truth and does not exist in a vacuum. Why are there so many false teachers and so many false teachings? It's because the enemy wants us to not be able to come to a unity of the faith that focuses around Jesus. That's why you have Christians listening to a woman who says that Jesus' favorite room in heaven is the Christmas room and he and St. Nicholas are building toys for children. I can't unite with that because our unity wraps around the truth of the knowledge of the Son of God. Who is he? He's not a toy maker. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He has a vesture dipped in blood and on his robe it says the word of God. And when he comes back, there'll be a sharp sword that will come out of his mouth as he eliminates the armies that have warred against him. He's not a toy maker. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I will unite around that. Well, I'm a Christian and you're a Christian. Can we just disagree on toy maker Jesus? No, we can't because there has to be a unity around the truth. And you know what the biggest problem in our world today is? We want unity more than we want truth. We think we have a right to not be offended. And so if you say something that offends me, You're wrong because I'm offended. Not if it's the truth. If it's the truth and you reject it, I hope with all of my heart that you are offended. So you will have awakening. Our unity is around the truth. That's what brings us together. Are you unifying the body? So I'm not picking on you, but I'm going to use what you and I texted back and forth. So there's another myth flying around the internet that if you take the first Hebrew word of Genesis that says in the beginning is how it's translated. Do you know what that first word means? It means in the beginning. And if you take the letters and identify the symbol that they represent and read it from right to left as Hebrew would be read, in there is contained the entirety of the gospel about God's son coming and dying for us. And it's circulating around and it's really cool, except that it isn't true. You see, it doesn't matter if it blesses you, (laughs) it matters if it's true. They put this hidden code information out there without any reference to any historical data or any academic underpinnings and make stuff up and then sell it to people who want to feel good. They don't want to feel the truth. And what will destroy us are false teachers and false prophets. So if you are building the body and you're sharing your gifting, your gifting should cause us to rally around the truth. 
We have to commit ourselves to the truth. I really appreciated what Pastor Glenn said about Berean um, last week. And I hadn't thought about it this way, but I love what he said. And we might have to start putting that on bumper stickers or something. But he said he walked in here and he's been associated with Berean for 29 years. He said, I would describe Berean church as immovably innovative. There are some things that we will not move from. The message will not change. Jesus will always be Lord. This book will always be, will always be um, inspired. Jesus will always be the Son of God. And there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ the righteous. And we will not vary on that. But how we do the work can have a wide range of methodologies that need to change, but we will not move off the truth. The day it becomes illegal for me to preach against sin and that day is coming, you can come see me in the prison because I'm not going to stop telling the truth. Are you looking for truth that will unite us? Listen to me. Are you looking for truth that will unite us? Or are you looking for obscurities and curiosities that will divide us? Oh, pastor, I have a new revelation. There's nothing new under the sun. But I've been sharing this with people. Yeah, if it doesn't unite us around the truth, that's not your gifting. You're failing in your gifting. Paul writes this. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent, profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. We're called to unity with the body, and your ministry should bring a unity around the truth. It's what we need. We need a body of people who, in their gifting, are all speaking the truth of the word of God. Is your ministry bringing us into unity? So I've been in ministry now for a number of months. <laughs> and you know what the biggest, Pastor Tim, Pastor Larry, pastors in the room, one of the biggest frustrations that I have are people that can't walk in unity in the direction of the body of believers. They always have something else we should be doing and usually the people who know something else we should be doing aren't doing anything to begin with. But you ought to be doing this, you ought to be doing this, and we ought to be doing this, and we ought to be doing that. I'm just telling you that there is something about unity and sharing our ministries together that will build the foundation of truth if we will let it. So let's share our ministries in a way that blesses one another. Builds us and unites us. So what, what do you bring? When you come into the room, is it, oh no. Oh no, I don't want to interact with that. Or is it, now that they're here, we'll be okay. They bring a unifying presence. Is anyone hearing me this morning? You're not a complainer, a whiner, a criticizer. Something's always wrong, but bringing the body together. And you can, listen, I'm not trying to be mean. But you can defend your circumstance all day long. And I frankly don't care. If your circumstances is contrary to the word of God, don't expect me to give you a hug and say it's all okay. Our unity has to be around truth. Is anyone hearing me this morning? So it's a unity that, it's a, it's a gifting in you that will build the body. We need that. And your gifting, if you release it, will unify the body. Last Oh, let me give you one other scripture that happens later in Ephesians 4. Because then will be no more infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. It will protect us from deception. So third, it will build the body. It will unify the body. And if you're experiencing your gifting, it will mature the body. That the body will become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Maturity is not an option. Old age doesn't guarantee maturity. 
My dad had a goal. He said, I don't ever want to grow up. And for the most part, he didn't. But age, some people have 30 years of experience and some people have one year of experience 30 times. There has to be a developing and a maturing. There should be some things that we struggled with 10 years ago that we don't struggle with anymore. There should be some things we have risen over. There should be some battles that we don't have to fight anymore because we've won those and we mark them as complete. There needs to be a maturing of the body. Striving for perfection to become everything God wants you to be. Maturity requires the ability to speak and hear the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead of cunning craftiness, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head that is Christ. When you hear something, you have to make a choice on how you will hear it. Because you will interpret it and you will define it and you will react to it. But a mature body doesn't react. A mature body will process and take it to God. Say, God, what should I hear in this moment? What should I hear? You have to be mature to help others mature. So who are you helping mature? Who are you helping to become more spiritually perfected? Who are you investing in that you can say, I've walked this road and I can walk with you and help you become stronger in your faith? <laughs> Ed Stilley, all he had was true light, true faith, have faith in God. And he took what he had and he sang it and he preached it and he proclaimed it and obeyed what God told him to do. And that part of the Ozarks was a better place because he had a vision, he was a turtle. Get me over to the other side. Your ministry matters to the body of Christ. So I wanna put a fire under your chair. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount on Wednesday night and I do want to let you know that we're planning a shift in how Wednesday night happens to allow for more ministry time. It's clear that there's a, a need in the body for more prayer with one another. So for the next four weeks, from 6.30 to 6.50 in M1, I'll be teaching on how to pray for people. And if you're gonna be part of praying for people on Wednesday, you have to come to all four weeks. I'll repeat it again and again, but until you do all four weeks, you'll not be in a leadership role because it's important to know how to pray and how to build up and how to strengthen and engage in that kind of ministry. We'll be sharing that together because there has to be another level of spiritual maturing of the body of Christ. And we'll be doing that on Wednesday night so that we can pour into and invest in one another. So please, if you wanna be a part of that, let us know, I want you to be here and be part of that. Because your ministry, whatever it is, matters to the body of Christ. Well, I don't sing, I don't preach, I don't, I don't care what you don't do. I wanna know what you do do and how God can use that for his kingdom purposes. And we'll be talking about that some more. But in this study on Wednesday night about the Sermon on the Mount, do you know there's one section where it says, you're a candle on a candlestick to give light to the whole house? Well, there's about four places where he tells you not to put your candle. You don't put it under a vessel, which is a household utensil. You don't hide behind your domestic duties to let your light shine. You don't put it under a bushel, which was a tool of agriculture used for sowing the seed. You don't hide behind your occupation and hide your candle there. And you don't put it in a secret place 
Your faith should be a light, not in the basement. It should be in the, in the center of the room. But my favorite is, and I'm not sure, I wish Jesus had expounded. Because he said, you don't put it under your bed. The other three places is gonna burn out. Put it under your bed, what's gonna happen? I think some people need a candle under their bed. Under their chair. So they can't just lay down and not do something. But pastor, I'm old. Do you know there is no age limitation on going before the throne room of God? There's no age limitation on sending a card to encourage someone or giving a phone call? Do you know people still talk on their phone? They don't just text? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you need to put your candle under your bed so you can't keep laying there because that's not where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be on the candlestick. So my question is, what is your gifting? What is it? Well, pastor, tell me, I don't know. I just hope you're a little uncomfortable this morning enough to say, God, show me what I have, what I can do and measure it this way. What should your gifting do? How can you evaluate it? It should build the body. It should mature the body and it should um, uh, unify the body. It'll build it, unify it and mature it. And we won't have that happen with people just sitting and soaking. We'll have it happen with people who are sitting and serving. Would you stand with me? And let's take a couple of moments in the presence of God to let him speak to your heart. I'm going to single you out for just a moment and I hope that's okay but it's too late to get permission when I talk about investing your gifting 
I'm not talking about you just coming and being a greeter on Sunday morning, though that might be part of your gifting. But Leanne has had a change of job. She's an attorney that worked for some years for a convenience store that rhymes with the word spaces. It was secular, a secular environment. Now she's an attorney, lead attorney with Convoy of Hope. How many know that Spacey's and Convoy of Hope have a different worldview? But her gifting is the same. It found a place of expression in a non-faith-based organization and in a faith-based organization. But the gifting didn't change. Adam Steen in the political arena. Casey Steen in real estate law. I could go through a number of people wherever you are because too many times we say, God, help me find a place where my gifting can be released. That's the wrong prayer. The prayer should be, God, help me use my gifting where you've planted me. So I'm going to do something this morning. I feel like God dropped in my heart. I rarely do this. An expression of kind of affirmation of faith and we don't do this all the time, and, but I do feel like we need to do this this morning. I want you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. I will give all of my money to pastor's retirement fund. No, no, raise your hand and say this, repeat after me. I am gifted and I will use my gifting to the glory of God as he reveals his will to me. You are gifted, and you need to be using that gifting to build, to unify, and to mature the body of believers. Amen. If you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. Let Ed Stilly be your model and spiritually build some guitars. Amen. God bless you. Greet someone, shake their hand, let them know you're glad they're here today.